Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches in PR and marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. feel about selling? Are you afraid to show up and ask for the sale? And how can you do it in a way that feels good for you, but also gets results? Today, I am joined by fashion brand consultant, Elizabeth Stiles, and we're going to be chatting about selling with ease without feeling salesy. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love your intro. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Before we get into selling with ease, selling without feeling salesy, tell me a little bit about you, Elizabeth, and what you do. I'm Elizabeth at Elizabeth Styles UK on Instagram and I'm a fashion brand consultant so I work with independent businesses helping them scale and sell online. My background is very similar to yours. I used to be a fashion buyer for Next, Miss Selfridge and Asda so a bit of high street, a bit of uh, supermarket but like actual budget retail so I'm sure you were the same where we were negotiating over pennies rather than pounds and ripping something to shreds going how can we get this cheaper (laughs) yeah I was a buyer for about eight years or in buying should I say but I had a bit of an epiphany where I was just like working towards something that I didn't even want I could just see so many buyers who were so unhappy (laughs) in the places that I worked at anyway and I just thought what am I actually working towards here and I got a call from one of my suppliers and said, oh, do you want to come and work with me instead? It's actually a really long story, but that's the short story. And I left buying to go to the dark side, as they say. And I then worked for him for about five years and really enjoyed it. I actually loved it. I felt really free being outside of like a corporate environment. Did that for about yeah five years. And then that company set up their own brand, which... I was really interested in because I already sort of knew that I wanted to leave. And I thought if I could watch how they start their brand, it will give me an insight into how other people might be doing it differently. Or I don't know, I just kind of wanted to sit in in all the meetings. So yeah, I did that for about six months and I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'm set, let's go. And in 2018, I quit my job and now do this. And now you help a whole host of brands and entrepreneurs grow their business, start their business. You cover a lot of different things. And I know that recently you ran a a sales program, which is what we're kind of going to cover today. With the people that you've met and the the brands that you've worked with, what are the the common mindset issues that come up for founders about selling? Yeah, I would say the number one thing is that people assume their customers aren't interested in what it is that they've got to talk about. And so they might post something once and then never say anything ever again, and then think, oh, that's why, like, it's not selling, and it's because everybody hates me, and that's not it at all, it's the fact that you've just not spoken about it enough, and so that the cycle goes, I'll talk about it once, nobody's going to really be interested, so what I'll do is go back to the drawing board, redesign it all, 
then put it out again, then post about it once again, then nobody, and then it goes round and round and round like that. And, you know, I think people convince themselves like either nobody's interested or maybe it would have sold if I'd done it in blue or maybe it would have sold if the check was a bit bigger or, you know, and they make up all these wild ideas. And that's just not the case. It's not selling because you've not sold it. And I always say to people, it's probably really facetious. Like if you want to sell more, have you tried selling more? (laughs) Because that is how you sell more is by selling more. And yeah, I just think making it, really really obvious what it is you have for sale I know it sounds obvious but like if you're posting pictures of yourself sewing in your bedroom and samples like how do I know that you're a shop with stuff to purchase or are you just a girl who likes sewing in your bedroom like there is a there is a fine line but it needs to be clear on which one it is and I would say the girl sewing in her bedroom is where you just provide value. You talk about behind the scenes, you show your pets, you show your lunch, you you talk about fabrics and you love to talk about your love of sewing. And But you never really ask for the sale and say what's available and when the launch is and when the drops are and how much is and how many pieces are available. And, you know, what time do you have to be there to get the pieces? Like All of those details, I think people tend to shy away from because they think it's going to come across really sleazy and that's just not the case. And how have you found that people have then been able to get over that? I would say that people think selling is sleazy because of because we're conditioned to think that way. So growing up as a millennial, I'm, I'm sure lots of us are, we grew up with the Wolf of Wall Street. He's a douchebag. We grew up with the horrible woman who was a saleswoman in Pretty Woman, you know, where like we don't know what you're looking for. We grew up with Matilda's dad in the film where he was just like a crook, basically, and was always trying to get one over on people. And these are the things that we have in our head when we think about being salesy. And so what people do is avoid selling altogether because they don't want to be like that when actually... I was a saleswoman. I worked in sales for like five years. I I was never a crook. I was never a a douchebag. I was never like pushing people into buying something that they didn't want. I might have laid on a little bit of pressure if you actually did need to book in before the factory shut down for the summer or, you know, saying that it was on trend. And I really recommend that you book now because it needs to come in. But you are absolutely able to be a salesperson and be a nice person at the same time. And sometimes it's just that reminder that you don't have to be one or the other. And just simply offering somebody the choice to buy something is not the same as forcing somebody to buy something. And I think it's it's about that building those relationships with your customers as well. And in terms of frequency of asking for the sale and ways to ask for the sale, what do you suggest? What I suggest on social media is you go value, 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 sell. And if you think about it, when you're flicking through a magazine, you know, you see an article, you see an article, you see an article, and then you see an ad, or it's like 50-50 these days. And so, okay, I can see that there is some value and there is some selling and I'm happy with that balance. You don't want it just to be ad, 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 ad all the time because there is no value there. Like if I just want to see everything that you've got for sale, I'll go and take a look at your website. Why should I follow you? That there is like a massive difference. And when it comes to email, I actually suggest for people to reverse that. So you go sell, sell, sell value. And so you might sell, say, do a sales email every week. 
And then once a month, you actually send out a full-blown newsletter with like recommendations and mood boards and styling ideas and I don't know what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading, all that kind of fun stuff. And then, you know, feel free to include some of your newest products within those, within that newsletter as well. But yeah, social media, I say value, 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 sell. And on email, I go sell, 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 value. I think it's important for people to realize as well, people are following them, watching them for a reason. They joined that community there, you know, they followed them because they liked what they had to say. They liked what they were promoting. They, you know, people want to purchase, whether it's something for a five or something for 500, depending on what your, you know, what your budget is. People enjoy spending. So you're doing them a disservice if you don't, and yourself a disservice if you don't promote and and sell your own business, sell your own products. Going back to that mistake as well, the other thing I see people do is thinking, well, nobody in my audience is buying. So I need to go and get some new people. And that I don't understand why you think new people are going to buy if the people who are already there aren't buying. There is like a problem in the way that you're selling to these people rather than it being those people's problem that things aren't selling. It's kind of your problem in a way. Like don't, and I did a post recently about how there's a real trend at the moment for almost like blackmailing people into buying from you, you know, and just being like, crying, everything, crying, you know, everything's going wrong. And what you're essentially doing is like laying the blame on your audience and like laying the responsibility on your audience for your business succeeding. And actually, you know, I do want you to be serious about it and take responsibility over your own sales and think, okay, well, if it's not selling, it's not their fault. And I don't need to go and get some new people. What I need to do is actually start selling and I think as well going back to your point before that people will try they'll have that shiny bauble syndrome and they'll go oh I'll go to the next thing I'll go to the next thing and we've both been in that in that retail side that you know it's basically your best sellers are going to make up most of your money anyway exactly so just keep on focusing on those unless you've got something fundamentally wrong Mm. and you go back to the drawing board anyway yeah so many people avoid talking about their best sellers because they think it's boring or they assume everyone's bought one already actually your best sellers should be making up like 80% of your money. And so you should be spending a good chunk of time talking about those things. I always say, if you run ads, you should run ads to your best sellers. If you gift to influencers, you should gift them your best sellers and you want to become known for something. And what happens is like, once you become known for something, you think, God, this is boring. (laughs) (laughs) God, I've been talking about this for ages. And I could even say it about selling. You know, I feel like I've I've got to a point where now where I've spoken about it so much that now this is what I'm known for. And I could so easily be like, right, I'm done now. I I want to become known for something else. I think it's human nature, but actually that's the goal is to become known for something. You look at somebody like Lucy and Yak and they're the Dungaree brand. Dungarees aren't even the thing that drive the majority of their sales now. It's like all the other things as well. But they became known for dungarees initially and then spread out afterwards. Think about Gymshark. They became really well known for gym gear. But now they're doing like fleeces and, you know, joggers and sweats and all the other stuff that goes around it. But don't try and do everything at once. Try and become known for something. Get your bestsellers. Rinse them. Milk them. Talk about them all the time. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) Exactly. Do them in loads of colours. Do them in different prints, sizes, fabrics, whatever you need to do. And then all the other stuff you can have your fun with, but just make sure you're getting money in first. And in terms of like building that relationship with your customers, what have you seen that works? You may have seen it before where people say, oh, you know, the money's in the DMs or you sell in the DMs. And again, it's something I talk about in my courses around like how to do it. And just for one, something so easy is to use people's names. 
Yeah. And so at the beginning of this podcast, you said, oh, Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast, you know, and I thought, oh, she's talking to me. And what you're essentially doing when you're selling is you're consciously selling to people's subconscious. And so they might not go, she said my name, she's talking to me. (laughs) But subconsciously, they feel very seen, they feel heard, they feel respected. And so then you're gaining like mutual respect in return. So that's number one is definitely to use people's names when you're messaging people, when you're signing off on your messages, when you're replying to people's comments online saying, thanks so much, Nicole. That's so kind of you. I really appreciate your message. It's so easy to find people's names as well because they've either got it in their bio, they've got it as a highlight that says about me, they've got a pinned post to the top, or you go on their about page on their website and it goes, hi, I'm Nicole. And you're like, okay, cool. And so even if it does take four or five seconds to find their name, it is so worth it. So that's number one is just to connect your audience on a really emotional human level. I know it sounds so basic, but it makes such a difference. Sending voice notes something I encourage like a lot of my students to do and yeah I even received a voice note today from one of them being like I've been trying it out and I get responses straight away and it's so nice people telling me I should do voiceovers because they like my voice so much and it's so lovely to hear and even with you you know you've got such a beautiful accent and if I had only seen pictures of you or used stock images I wouldn't know that or like maybe I'd know you were Irish but I wouldn't know where from or yeah. I don't know just like little details that make you you and so you almost want your customer to see you in themselves or see themselves in you and build that emotional bond so talking about quite you know maybe it's only like two or three things that have happened to you that are on a bit of an emotional level so I talk about today on my stories about how much I hated working at Miss Selfridge such a brutal horrible time of my life But what that opens up is anybody that has been made to feel insignificant at work, workplace bullying, being bullied at school, you know, any of those like, okay, oh, she's like me. She understands me. And then it builds that sort of bond. The other thing we were speaking about before we started recording was curly hair and, you know, Irish curly hair (laughs) and having the jeans and the fluffy hair and the frizz and the heat. And okay, so I'm going to talk about that because, you know, most people have frizzy hair and they'll feel like it's like me. And I don't know, just allowing like little bits of your personality to come out and know that people don't just follow you just because you've got a nice product. That's one of the reasons they follow you, but they also want to, people buy from people we've all had it before but like what does it mean and why is it so important and it's because they want to see themselves in you so yeah just show people that you're listening open yourself up a little bit use voice notes use dms and see it as a conversation and rather than I don't know talking to a bit of plastic when you're alone in your bedroom and in terms of like selling and so I think that they're great tips for you know connecting with your customer and your potential customer and building that groundwork and I know I've seen some of your posts in terms of when you were talking about when you were talking about your your course that you were running and using some examples of how people sell without literally going this is this buy it what are the kind of ways that you've seen are a great way for people to sell products with fashion specifically people are selling something that people want rather than what they need 
And so when you're looking at examples of how to sell online, they go, find the problem, talk about the solution. And very often with fashion, there isn't really a problem or, you know, homeware or anything. If you're buying it because you want it. And so your goal... And, and if there is a problem, it's not really a life or death problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not really solving a problem. It might be that just people want it and they like it. And so the reason why somebody... There's a few different reasons why people buy something. They run towards pleasure or they're running away from pain. And, you know, we can pretty much ignore the pain, I would say. it's more. It might be more like a niggle at best, but they're running towards pleasure. So what you have to do is think about the three reasons why then somebody would buy. Okay. They see it as great value. They see it as very, very desirable, or they see it as cheap. And you can wipe cheap off the table as well. There is no point in competing on that. You don't have economy of scale. You're always going to lose and, you know, just forget about it. Mm. Saying that, I would also say, don't be afraid to discount. You're allowed to discount. It doesn't devalue your brand if you do it strategically. But yeah, let's try not to just compete on price because you're going to lose. And so you have to think about the value and you have to think about the desirability. And value, just talking about all the reasons why your product is better than somebody else's. So one I've seen is a girl lays out her item that she has made and five reasons why it's better than the thing in her wardrobe that she bought 10 years ago from a high street retailer. Yeah. And going into like the most amount of detail and assuming that people are interested in that level of detail and saying that it's got pockets, saying that it's got an elasticated waist, saying that it's got a facing around the neck, saying that it's got an invisible zip, because from a picture or even a video, you might not be able to know those things. I think connecting that in terms of how they live then as well, in terms of how they live their life. So you can have that extra slice of pizza, you can have that whatever, you know. Exactly. So that, so that, so that, so that. Yeah. (laughs) I I remember um, the underwear brand Panty, and they were comparing a body from Zara and one of theirs. Yeah. It might not be from Zara, it was a body from somewhere else and, and one of theirs. And you were just like, running out to buy theirs by the time <laughs> they were finished because it was just like it's not going to basically ride up your arse it's not because it's basically it's comfort that you're not going to take off rather than something that as soon as you get home you want to take like off. ripping it off yeah yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah panty are amazing at it actually and it's like p-a-n-t-e-e so definitely go and check them out and then the other thing is to sort of it sounds fake when i say it like this but you need to manufacture that desirability most things don't sell themselves. And I think people start a business assuming that they will. And so you need to tell people why they need it, why it is so desirable. And it's why you see people doing limited runs of things to create a little bit of hype. Oh my God, it's sold out. I'm going to do it again. Oh my God, it's sold out again. And sold out, what's sold out? I, I want to know what's sold out. And yeah. it's, it's playing into human nature. And there's a really good quote by Daniel Priestley where he says, people don't want what they need. They want what other people want. And that's the other reason why it's so important for you to not say on your social media, oh, things are going so badly. Nobody wants to, but I'm like, I'm going to have to close my shop next week because nobody's interested. It's like, ah, don't say that because now nobody's going to want it. If if you're saying nobody wants it, then nobody else is going to want it either. What you want to be saying and not in a false way, just saying, you know, I'm sending this out today. I'm going to the post office, even if it's one thing. And then, next, you know, next week it's two things. And next week it's three things. And it builds up from there. Don't ever lie. Don't ever fake it. 
you can say things like, oh, I launched it last night and it sold out in a size small. It doesn't need to have completely sold out or I sold X number of things in X number of hours. And that might be just 10% of your stock, but that's the fact, you know, I'm just saying that this is how quickly it was selling. And this is what people are saying about it. Oh my God, look at this beautiful message I received from somebody and showing people because nobody else is going to do this for you and create that desirability within somebody for them to take notice. I think really asking for those reviews, whether you're getting them on your website or whether people have messaged you and you're, you know, and you're great. And I know you're selling a service, but you're you're obviously really great at that in terms of sharing people's reviews, their comments, even if they've not bought it, would they're buying it next time or, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. How do you recommend that? Because there'll be some people that will be listening and they're like, shit, I really have to show up to make this sell. So how do you recommend people to overcome those hurdles of actually getting visible in the first place. And I know there's probably another podcast, but it is a big, especially for people that, you know, they're setting up brands, setting up businesses. It's not there. They love the product and love what they're creating, but being front and center is not what they are passionate about or what they feel comfortable with, but it's something that they're going to have to do if they don't, if they want the brand to succeed. Yeah. I would say two things you can definitely do it without showing your face I would just say it's going to take longer because when people see your face and they hear your voice and they see your passion and enthusiasm for it it's like pressing a fast forward button on a dvd i'm gonna sound like on netflix we say so i don't sound like grandma yeah. um, like, DVD? It's like, the vhs the oh, what? yeah i nearly said video for god's sake yeah. <laughs> rewound um, so yeah it's like okay so the customer journey on, on average could take like three months it could take a month it could take a few days if somebody really likes you and really resonates with you and you know you've done your job of building that desirability within somebody all i'm saying is by showing your face, you'll get there faster. You don't have to show your face, but if you're going to, then, you know, if you're not going to, then really invest in incredible photography, maybe mm-hmm. videography as well, so that you're showing the product to the best of its ability. Voiceovers, I would say as well, are a good sort of like in-between where you might have really gorgeous video or like snippets of loads of really candid video shots and you're telling the story about what's happening in those videos. And so you don't necessarily have to be the face of it, but you could definitely be the voice of it and you're still able to show your personality that way. You can set up a tripod of your hands packing out the orders, you know, and setting up for it to be over the packing table and wrapping it all up. And you might have nail art or you might have jewelry on and you can still express your personality that way as well. What I would just say is like, just try and get over it. And the way to get over it is to think that you're not scared what people are going to think of you. You're scared about what you think other people might be thinking so you're not scared of what other people are thinking because you don't know and you're also not allowed to know that it's not your business what other people are thinking you're worried about what you think other people are thinking Mm. and that's a whole other concept in itself and it's totally made up what you're thinking other people are thinking is like wildly deep in your imagination and it's not even reality and it's also a projection of how you feel about yourself and so the, the more work you can do on like your own personal development and your self-worth and your self-esteem, Huge. it sort of like minimizes what you think other people might be thinking. 
And I would also say it's just like thinking about what your purpose is. So, you know, I said earlier that I hated being at Miss Selfridge. It was like so bitchy and so mean. And it's kind of where this friendly face in fashion was born from. And that is so important to me. If I think somebody might be thinking that I'm a show off on video, I actually don't care because that is so much less important to me than why I'm there in the first place. So really remembering why you're doing this and that is bound to outweigh what you think other people might be thinking. Absolutely. And I think as well, like if you weren't there, you'd be back doing your nine to five or your whatever, which would you rather? you know, feel a bit uncomfortable until you got used to it, yeah. you know, or go back and work full time in your nine to five or or whatever it might be. You know, we've yeah. all kind of come across things that have been like, oh my God, this is really, you know, pushing me outside where I really want to be. But then the more you do, I remember the first time I did a live and I was like literally in front of the camera for 40 minutes before I was ready to do the live. I was in the live with someone at seven o'clock. And that's another good thing, actually, if you're worried about being on camera, do it with someone else first. Oh. Whether it's alive and you can bounce off each other or you're talking about a product to someone or what, you know, and you get that energy going. But I, yeah, I remember I was like sitting in front of the, the camera for like 40 minutes before this live going, okay, you know, and really psyching myself up. And then I got so used to them. I was like, it got to the point that I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be live now. You know? <laughs> I'm going to be late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got out of the habit of doing them now. But I would yeah. also say like, try not to make it so much about yourself and yeah. think about why you're showing up and how it will benefit others. So by sharing your thing or talking about what it is that you offer, it's really going to help somebody, even if it is on quite like a surface level, it doesn't really matter. An example is like, how often have you, when was the last time you text a friend and she didn't reply? And you're like, oh my God, she hates me. What have I said? What rereading the message 300 times, thinking, when was she last seen? Why is she not replying? And then she'll reply sort of three or four days later, being like, oh my God, I've had the worst week. I'm so sorry. I've just switched off my phone because it was driving me insane. The kids are, are feral. Um, you know, I've all the all work's horrendous. My inbox is out of control. How are you? Yeah. And you go, okay, it actually had nothing to do with me. What? Yeah. It's not all about you, is it? You know what I mean? (laughs) Basically. And I'm the same. Like the first time I went on video, I I was still at my old job and I walked into the office the next day being like, oh my God, oh my God, everyone's going to be laughing. Everyone's just going to be standing there like, ah, pointing at me. Honestly, like nobody said anything. I I barely, nobody even saw it probably. And if they did, they were just like, thumbs up or whatever if they're talking amongst themselves like what what I don't know can't hurt me and yeah just it's not all about you get over it (laughs) and I mean there's a lot more with you know we've gone through COVID pandemic's done thank god so there's more people selling in person is there a difference do you think between selling in person selling online not really at the end people feel like it is because they don't see those sort of eyeballs across from the table And you may hear it a lot when they go, I can sell at events, but trying to sell online is so hard. And it's because you're not selling in the same way. You're not showing up on camera, maybe not using the voice notes. Yeah, exactly. You're not having those conversations. You're not using people's names. You're not bouncing off them in the same way. What you're probably doing is laying everything out on the table and then going to sit under the table (laughs) and then (laughs) wondering why nothing's selling. 
and actually you've, you've got to be involved in the conversation and show an interest a genuine interest in what people want and need and just you know even their day-to-day life and replying to yeah. their stories and seeing who's watched your stories and then going to message those people and say oh thank you know whatever going to message all your best-selling customers and say how have you been getting on with that thing and I've actually got it coming on in a new color next week like keep an eye out don't be afraid yeah. to have these conversations with people because like you said at the beginning they've chosen to follow you they've chosen to buy from you and that's your permission slip to give them as good as you can and sell I think imagining when you're selling online if you are selling in person I mean I used to work on the shop floor in retail and we'd be oh so and so I remember they were in they really liked that or they bought that top they're going to love this pair of trousers is going to go really well with that and you'd make sure that the next time they were in you'd say it to them and yeah. you know and it made them it feel like the oh, yeah. you so they remember, you remember. You know? yeah and actually online people sort of assume that's creepy in a way but actually you know if somebody said that to me saying oh, I remembered you bought this and I'm doing it in this color I think you'd look amazing in it I was like oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice I feel seen heard and respected this is all that human beings want do you think that there's a difference between selling higher ticket versus lower ticket items or like that you focus on different things? My initial reaction is to say you have to offer a better level of customer service. But actually, I don't think that's true because you should be offering like an impeccable level of customer service, regardless of how expensive it is. Because even if what you're selling is £10, let's say a scrunchie that's £10, that's £9.15 more expensive than what you can buy anywhere on the high street. So it's Mm. actually still expensive for what it is compared to any other shop and I don't believe anybody listening to this is selling a commodity product that is competing on price I think it would be very very rare everybody is selling something that is essentially like a luxury item even if it's a pen for five pounds it's you know four pounds exactly (laughs) Uh, so you're you're you are selling a luxury item The thing you have to consider is the length of the customer journey. If it's five pound, it might take somebody five days to think about it or five minutes. If it's 5,000 pounds, it might take somebody five years to build up and save and really get invested in the brand. And it's just- I think that goes back to your point then as well, about keep talking about the thing and keep showing up because they keep need, you know, the people that are watching your stories or seeing your content keep needing that reminder that you're there the product is there. This is what it does. So that they're still thinking about it. Oh yeah, I need to. And as well, we're so like distracted by the dog. What's on Netflix? What's, oh, you know, I'm doing one thing and then I'm distracted. Something's pinged. You know what I mean? There's so many distractions so that everyone is just, you know, their focus is kind of everywhere. Yeah, so how many times are you showing up continuously? Yes. Yeah. time. <laughs> I know. When you have, I have one of those apps at the moment. I have one of those apps at the moment that I've got my phone going that basically blocks me off Instagram for like nine to five. And and yeah. so, and, the, and it monitors your, how many times you pick up your phone. And it is, everyone's like distracted by things. But if you can keep showing up, like you say, for that, that customer journey is longer when it's a, a more expensive product. And also that expense is, rel- is relative to a hundred pounds could be really expensive for one person. And it could be, a, it could be absolutely nothing for somebody else, you know, keeping showing up and, and not feel is finding ways to say the same thing in different ways. Yeah. And the way to think about it is writing down all the question words. So who, what, why, when, how, and where people always talk about the, what this is a black and white dress. It is made of cotton. That that's all the, what, and that's why people run out of things to say very quickly. 
But why did you make it? Where is it made? How am I able to get on the wait list for it? When is it available? And sort of talking about all of those things as well. Where did you get the inspiration from? And how do you expect people to be wearing it and styling it? And who else has worn it? And who um, would you love to see wear it? Exactly. And you kind of have to become a bit of like a nosy journalist type person to interview yourself about this product and if you were sat across the table from a journalist what would what would they be asking you about this product and all of those questions become become content to stretch it out for as long as possible great and in terms of like closing the deal well, how would you recommend that call to actions <laughs> so many buy the are, thing buy the thing <laughs> yeah. in your basket yeah if you're still reading this why not go and check it out there is this flash offer for free delivery today. Join the wait list and you'll receive 10% off. There is only three left. Make sure you save yours. There are so many different ways to say it. And there is actually a really good book called Words That Sell, which a lady who used to work on a shopping channel recommended to me for my sales course and said, you know, buy it and have a look at it. So there are all these power words that, you know, being really direct was probably the most common theme. But this book is actually just like a directory of words. Like, here's lots of ways to say expensive. Here's lots of ways to say quick. Here's lots of ways to say cheap and light, but nicer words and yeah. more direct words as well. So I get people to send me their emails and they go, oh, I sent an email and it didn't really come to anything. Send me the email. Come on, like share your screen. Come on, get it yeah. out of the screen. There is no buttons on the email. There is no call to actions or there is a really lovely selection of images. And then the text is pale pink on a white background that you can barely see and it says 39 pounds or people don't have their instagram shop showing up on their social media or they did it three weeks ago and you know and that was the last post that they posted with the instagram shop on exactly (laughs) like make it clear and don't be afraid to signpost people human beings are like sheep we all know this like especially english people will stand in a queue for queue's sake People like being told what to do. People want to be on their phone. They want to stay on their phone for as long as possible. So give them a reason. Tell them, you th- if you think about, you know, those old school traffic signalers in New York when they were pointing what direction to go in, that's like your job as a business owner to go, you are now here. Why not now go there? Yeah. So showing them the journey. They are the customer. It's your job to create that journey for them and guiding them into the checkout, taking them through. They're not going to get there on their own. Yeah, keep on going. (laughs) Exactly. And I've worked in Hugo Boss and, you know, you can work in a supermarket. You can't apply those two theories to be the same. So like we said, everything that everybody is selling is more expensive than what you can buy on Amazon. And so if somebody goes, oh, I really love this, you know, as a comment on one of your images, how can I buy it? And you go, oh, the link's in my bio. What you are doing is like, that's very Tesco level of customer service where you go, oh, it's in aisle 16. And you just point and you go, you you find your own way, make your own way there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas what I would do is if I saw that person, I would find them. I would say, oh, thanks so much. Whatever her name was or his name, I'm going to drop you a message. And then you would DM them the actual link to the page that is on your website, the product page, and then maybe a voice note as well and say, thanks so much. Here it is. If you have any questions, I'm more than happy to send you a quick video, whatever, like a much higher level of customer service, I would expect. 
And what would you say then are your, I mean, I know you've covered quite a lot there as well anyway, but in terms of for you, if you were to pick them out, your five top tips to sell with ease. From a sales point of view, try not to think of it as like selling. If that's like really jarring for you, just see it as showing up from a point of service. So I had a massive sign over my computer when I first started being like service over sales, like just being off service. No, whether you're a product-based business or not, like you're still providing a service to somebody. Add a call to action to everything. I think take the emotion out of it. So don't make it all about you. Don't assume that everyone hates you. It's not that. It's just a simple exchange of money and goods. And a good sales experience is when it feels like an equal exchange rather than, you know, when we were talking about self-worth and self-esteem earlier, I think people don't like selling because they think I'm going to take all this money off this person and all they're going to get in return is this dress that I've handmade and they're probably going to think it's shit. And so that's why you don't want to sell it because you don't feel like it's equal. Whereas actually, especially as women, small business owners, we're probably undercharging. And so that person is probably thinking, really? That much for a handmade dress? Oh my goodness, what a bargain. I'm going to get it. And so the last one would be just to tell people what's available. So number one, service over sales. Number two, add a call to action to everything. Number three, take the emotion out of it and don't make it all about you. Number four, just see it as a simple exchange that is of equal value. And so you both walk away feeling happy. Nobody feels conned. You know, you're not Matilda's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Then the fifth one is like, just tell people what's available and just know that selling can be as simple as telling people what is there and whether there's three available or three left or it's brand new or it's you know discontinuing next week making people very aware and I actually bought a bag off somebody the other day on her because she went on her stories and she was like oh by the way I've got these straw bags and I was like that's exactly what I've been looking for (laughs) and I messaged her saying I didn't even know you sold straw bags I thought you only sold leather bags and she was like no I do. I have these as well. And I was like, okay, well, if you didn't tell me this, how am I meant to know? <laughs> I was literally like, bang, 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 buy it. And I'm not even a impulse shopper. But I just thought that's such a good example of just telling people what's available. Somebody seeing it being like, that is literally what I've been looking for. And then buying it. So, yeah. And then the one action that you would say, you've got to do this today to make a sale. Exactly that is to share what's currently available share what's low in stock, share what's new, what is, you know, being discontinued, whatever it might be. It's the easiest thing. Selling is telling, telling is selling. Go onto your stories, pick the thing that you, you know, go back on the back end of your Shopify. What have I got the least amount of stock of? Talk about it, say that it's sold out. People will get interested and then hopefully buy all the other stuff that you've got loads of stock of. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, just create that level of desirability within people. Do a little stock update as a post, you know, like a carousel, three left, two left, one left, whatever it yeah. might be. And you mentioned a good some resources there in terms of where does it sell? And what are there any other ones that you would say if someone if someone wants to kind of dive a little bit deeper into sales and marketing that you would recommend? Yeah, definitely words that sell. I don't even know if you can buy it anymore. You might have to buy it on like eBay or something because it's like really old. Oversubscribed by my guru, Daniel Priestley, who I quoted earlier. That is a really, really, really good book if you are launching something new and about how to 
build up a, that desire within people and it's that whole people don't want what they need they want what other people want and so even if you had five bags and you've got 10 people on a wait list you're oversubscribed and then you can really play on that mm-hmm. so that book was really good and then more from like a money mindset point of view because there is a lot of money stuff that comes up when you're selling it might be that you go well I would never pay that and yeah. then project all of those feelings onto what it is that you're selling there's a really good book called how to be a badass at making money by Jen Sincero and I recommend it to everybody I've listened to it like three times I love her voice she's so like empowering and sassy and funny so yeah I would definitely Great. I will link those all in the show notes for people to take a look at. But thank you very much for joining me today. That's good. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you've enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you have, then feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and I will be back again next week with another great guest. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. If you've enjoyed today, I would love for you to leave a review and I will see you again next week. If you'd like to hear more from me, your host, Nicole Higgins, you can follow me on Instagram at The Buying Retail Coach. Check out my website, www.thebuyingretailcoach.com or find me on LinkedIn. All the links are below in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter, The Step, for lots of helpful tips and advice.